0: You are listening to a Blazing Caribou Studios production. Although he didn't realise it at the time, the most important specimens that Charles Darwin brought back from the Galapagos were finches. Hello and welcome back to the Varmints Podcast, where every week we do a whole bunch of research to educate ourselves and you, the listener on all things that creep, crawl, slither, fly, jump, hop, and swim on this planet one animal at a time. My name's Paul and I am not an animal expert.
1: I'm Donna and I am also not an animal expert. today we are going to be talking about a tiny little cute
0: bird, the finch. Yes, but first, the news.
2: This is Varman's headline news with your anchorman, some guy named Paul.
0: Thank you, Matthew. The news today, kind of interesting, kind of a bummer, but sort of interesting. Customs officials at New York's John F. Kennedy International Airport said they found 70 live finches hidden inside hair rollers. Authorities say a passenger arriving from Guyana on Saturday had the songbirds in a duffel bag. Officials believe the birds were brought to the United States to participate in singing contests. Customs officials say people bet on how many times the finches chirp, and a winning male finch can sell for up to $10,000. Man. U.S. Customs and Border Protection says bird smuggling could threaten agriculture through the possible spread of diseases such as bird flu. Customs officers have seized about 184 finches this year. A spokesman for United States Customs and Border Protection said, the most common animal we see trying to be smuggled through the passenger environment are these birds, the finches. It goes in cycles like everything else. It's not an everyday occurrence or an every month occurrence, but it does happen. The good news is that all the birds were alive. They were turned over to veterinarians in the U.S. Agriculture Department and placed under quarantine. No uh, information on where the birds will go after that. But the passenger was sent packing back to Guyana.
1: Yeah, that's good. Yeah. That's so
0: nasty. I didn't even know it existed.
1: Poor little birds. There's no reason for it because we have plenty of finches in the United States in the pet store that you can go buy. Yeah. Yeah. They're, I mean, domestic breed, so there's no reason for this.
0: And also, there are plenty of ways to gamble with your money. Oh my gosh, yeah. You can bet on so many things that don't involve shoving finches into hair rollers. Yep.
1: It's terrible. That's really awful.
0: Well, at least they're alive. They're probably not happy, but they're alive.
1: Well, I'm sure they're happy. They, got a little, they have a second photo of them. They have a picture of the... Rollers and the finches, and then they have another picture of the little finches eating some food and looking at the camera and going, Hey! <laughs> <laughs> We're from Guyana, but we don't know where we are. Can we have food, please? <laughs> They're really cute. They have really long tails.
0: They're adorable.
1: Yeah. Kilt- yeah. I'm sure that they probably have to just put them in a sanctuary or something because they can't be rehomed after. I mean, they can't be. I can't imagine after a trip like that they could fly them back to Africa and put them in the wild again.
0: No, probably not. So Probably not.
1: Probably Sanctuary City for those guys. Yep. Well, what are you going to do? Don't do that. That's not
0: being nice to animals. Yeah, that's not nice to animals. Go gamble some other way. Yeah. Or don't gamble at all. Just don't do any of this stuff. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Gambling on their chirps. I find that sort of funny. <laughs> I can't. <laughs> why why are you, what would a, a were drugs and or alcohol involved in this decision
0: somewhere come on you bird chirp one more time one more time
1: <laughs> more chirping <laughs> daddy needs a new pair of shoes <laughs>
0: oh don't do that oh that's really terrible
1: well just for a reminder You guys should fly over to blazingcariboustudios.com for links to our audio and our show notes for today's episode. We're also on Twitter and Instagram at at Podcast, all one word, and at varminspodcast at gmail.com for questions, comments, stories, and suggestions. I run a Pinterest board for every animal that we talk about, and the link is at the bottom of our show notes. And finally... Why don't you go over to T Public and put Varmints into the cent- search engine there, and you will find lots of show merchandise. If you like the show, why not tell a friend about us and introduce them to the podcast, where everywhere podcasts are found, and word of mouth is the best way to help us grow.
0: And we want to thank our Patreon supporters. Thank you so much. We thank you for your support on Patreon.com/varmints. Every level of support gets a little something. And if you want to support us, uh, you can Patreon.com/varmints. Let's learn about some finches. Cheep.
1: <laughs> <sighs> cheep, 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 cheep,
0: cheep, cheep. Hey! 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 Let's go get educated on some animals. I know you want to. <laughs> <laughs> finches are small to medium-sized passerine birds. Passerines include more than half of all species and are sometimes known as perching birds or songbirds. They belong to the family Fringillidae, which contains some 228 species. Those are considered true finches, but there are many other birds in other families that are also called finches. These birds have been around for quite a while. Fossils suggest that they have been here for some 10 to 20 million years. Because there are many species of finch, there are also many color and size variations. The smallest being the lesser goldfinch which weighs only about 8 grams or a quarter of an ounce. Oh. The pine grosbeak is the largest finch weighing around 86 grams or 3 ounces. So even Holy
1: mackerel, that's huge.
0: <laughs> right. 3
1: ounces. Wow. What a bruiser.
0: Finches are found almost globally. Antarctica, some islands in the Southern Pacific, and the Indian Ocean do not have finches. They are in Australia and New Zealand, not because they're native, but because they've been introduced. That's because finches are resident and Mm non-migratory. The scientific name Fringillidae comes from the Latin word fringilla, which is the name they gave the common chaffinch, which is a a very common finch that lives in Europe. As far as the name Finch, some dude made it up. It was coined by the English zoologist William Elford Leach in a guide to the contents of the British Museum published in 1820. Kids, study zoology, and you two can name animals whatever the heck you want to. <laughs> if you
1: discover them, yeah.
0: Yeah, if you discover them, you can name them anything. Almost anything. <laughs> There's probably some board that is like, no, you cannot name that animal that <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, I don't
1: know exactly how it how it works, but I'm under the impression that if you discover it then you get to name it, but
0: Yes. If you're a zoologist, let us know how that all works. Yeah. And then and then name a animal after us or a bird. That would be cool.
1: <laughs> the lesser <laughs> varmint. Yes. <laughs> Oh, my goodness. Well, we know that finches like to sing, as we heard the chirpy canary at the very top of our show. But did you know that zebra finches are so good at singing that they can do it in their sleep? Wow. Yeah. According to scientists, they do everything but sing when they sleep. (laughs) But they fire up the same brain regions and they vibrate their vocal cords to mimic their waking singing behavior. Scientists have found that sleep is crucial to the zebra finches' song learning. They aren't born with their songster abilities. They have to learn them in adolescence, and they practice them with an adult bird who serves as their teacher. And this is usually the male, because in zebra finches, from everything that I've seen, the females don't sing. The males sing in order to attract a mate. But as an aside, just a tiny side note, this means that finches have culture. Just to remind you again, that when you pass your learning on to younger generations, that's culture.
0: Oh, I never thought of it like that.
1: Yes, you have, because we've mentioned it several times before.
0: (laughs) (laughs) You just don't remember. (laughs) It's entirely possible.
1: It's how many shows now? (laughs) Yeah, no, I'm I'm sure I've talked about it before, but yes, when you pass on learning... (laughs) <laughs> Through teaching, that is—that means you have a culture. That's part of it. It's not all of it, but that's part of it. So, right. Yes. So there are many animals that have culture. Yes.
0: Apparently not us. They're or cultured. Not me. <laughs> yeah.
1: They're not. They're not some yoinks that just kind of hang out. They—they they go to museums and stuff. They're—they're they're cultured.
0: Yeah. Yoinks. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Anyway, this is an active teaching. The teacher bird, and I'll have an example of this when I'm finished telling you about it. The teacher bird will warble at the youngster, and then they peep back at them trying to get it right. So just like humans, they need to hear their own voices to test out their songs. But they need a really good night of rest, too. The scientists have found that their brains replay the patterns that occur in daytime practice, and their little vocal cords vibrate, too, but they don't make a sound. They're not pushing enough air through their throats to make a noise that you can hear but they're they're sort of like they're practicing it in the background like cheep 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 yeah so they think they're pretty much dreaming about their song and they're they're sort of lip syncing to it while they're sleeping in the morning, they wake up all groggy and disoriented, just like you and me, sure. and they babbly, they, they're they babbly and not very coherent than the pre- previous day. I can relate. But then they, as they wake up and get through the day and start on their lessons again, mm-hmm. their songs start to improve. So why do scientists want to study this? Because they think that studying how the birds use their sleep to learn their songs can help us understand the process of human language acquisition. Like human speech, the melodies of birdsong are really complex, and they activate brain pathways and muscles that are very similar to those in humans, which is, that's really strange because they are avians. They're not anywhere close to us, so there must be something just very common about vertebrate body plans that that makes things convenient to put in different places, or in the same place. Yeah, I thought that was pretty cool. So scientists at the University of Utah found that zebra finches move their vocal muscles in sync with a song-like activity in the brain, indicating that the muscles readout could be a good proxy for peeking into their melodic reveries. So they have like two places to look at their song. And they also found that their time to sleep is not just when they rehearse. They also, it might give the birds a chance to like quietly make up new songs. Their vocal muscles seem to go a little bit bananas at night and they write silent <laughs> songs that they were not that were not sung during the daytime.
0: So That is crazy.
1: It's crazy cool. There's wow. a sample. Um you're going to play it and I'm just going to tell you really quickly what you're going to hear. Okay. Uh, the first clip I have noise reductioned as much as possible for some reason the scientists don't seem to understand how to record without noise. So <laughs> they have a really bad <laughs> microphone. Somebody needs to send the University of uh, Utah a good microphone to their ornithology lab because they really need one, <laughs> as you're going to hear. But the first clip is the noise of the adult finch teaching the baby how to sing, and the baby's sort of calling back at him. So, And then this, the second and third and fourth example, first you're going to hear they've isolated out the sound of the adult male singing. And then there's three samples after that. One is the baby at 50 days old trying to copy his teacher, And then at 70 days old, and then the last one is at 120 days old. So this is pretty incredible. Listen to how good it gets. That's the father. Or the teacher. And here's the baby. That's 50 days. 70. 120.
0: Wow. That's the same bird?
1: Yes, that is the same. The last three clips are the baby bird at 50 days, 70 days, and 120 days old.
0: That is so cool.
1: So you can see he's learning.
0: Yeah, he's learning.
1: That's all from practicing with teacher during the day.
0: Very, very cool.
1: And I got to tell you guys, there is so much science around zebra finches in particular. Just lots of things that they have figured out that we just didn't have time to cover on the show. So you should definitely spend some time looking into them. They've just got so many incredibly cool things about them uh, that, that are interesting to look into. So... Definitely check them out on your own time.
0: Yeah, they're a fascinating little bird. They are so cool! (laughs) One very well-known type of finch is the domestic canary, and most people just call them canaries. Spanish sailors brought canaries over from the Canary Islands, which is how they got their name, to Europe in the 17th century. Monks started breeding canaries, and they only sold males. And what that did was it kept the birds in very short supply, which drove the price up even further. Some hens were obtained, and the birds began to be bred in Italy, which resulted in many breeds of canary, drove the price down, and very soon the birds began being bred throughout all of Europe. Canaries are still kept as pets at home. Domestic canaries are divided into three groups. Color-bred canaries. We typically think of canaries as yellow, but they do come in several different colors. Type canaries are bred for shape and conformation, and song canaries are bred for their unique and specific song patterns. Just like there are dog shows, there are many canary shows around the world attracting thousands and thousands of breeders, which I had no idea.
1: Yeah, I didn't know that either.
0: At some competitions, as many as 20,000 birds are brought together. Wow. I
1: yeah. bet that's loud. <laughs> <laughs>
0: From the 18th up to the 20th centuries, canaries were used in the UK, Canada, and in the USA uh, in the coal mining industry to detect carbon monoxide, which is deadly to humans. As soon as the bird began showing signs of distress, that was the signal for the miners to get out because carbon monoxide is odorless and colorless, and you don't know that it's affecting you until it's affecting you. The birds very often did die, but uh, several human lives were saved... Guess when the use of canaries for this began being phased out?
1: Oh gosh. I do not know.
0: They began being phased out in 1986.
1: Wow. They didn't have carbon monoxide detector before that?
0: That's probably right around the time they invented the carbon monoxide detector. Mm. So if they began being phased out in 1986, there was probably canaries were still probably being used way into the 90s i would guess
1: oh bless their little birdie hearts
0: bless their little their their little canary hearts yeah yeah canaries canaries are cool
1: thank you canaries (laughs) you probably saved a lot of lives
0: (laughs) oh for sure definitely
1: Yeah. yeah wow that's really cool
0: disclaimer time The Farman's Podcast knows
1: it's not fair to compare animal intelligence to human intelligence. But then, Don and Paul only have the yardstick of themselves, so they're going to do it anyway.
0: I tend to not give birds a lot of credit for their intelligence. And for sure, finches are not like ravens or other corvids. But what you just said makes me think that they 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 might have some smarts in their little bird brains.
1: Well, I think the problem is that you're you're equating the passing on of culture with intelligence. And okay. th- and that might not necessarily be the case, you know. Okay. It's not really problem solving, it's just it's a kind of learning that happens in nature and Sometimes it's paired with great intelligence, like with elephants, and sometimes it might really not be. I don't know. I know. I think we, it's one of those things where we just kind of don't understand intelligence very well. But finches don't solve puzzles very well. I wasn't able to find anything about them. I mean, nobody seems to really be studying their intelligence, but the few random things that I have seen the scientists talking about the zebra finches, who are seem to be the ones that are most studied, are just not that bright. <laughs> but, they are, but they are super friendly and fun. I mean, they're not, they're not really interested in humans. They're fr- friendly with each other. And they're easy to handle and easy to clean up and after. And, and they don't do anything stupid to get themselves in a lot of trouble, which is often a sign of intelligence. <laughs>
2: right.
1: <laughs> <laughs> like opening up their cages or whatever, you know what I mean? They're not escape artists. When you keep finches, you keep them in like a big, huge cage. And people usually have several of them. Because they're party birds, they like to have a group. They like to have their little flock around them.
0: Party but, birds.
1: Yeah, but they're not. They're not like ravens. They're not gonna break into your stuff and steal your uh, shinies and tuck them away in shoeboxes or something, and you know, take yeah. them out of the house and put them in a cache somewhere or whatever. They're not. They're not like that. They're just about smart enough to eat and poop and reproduce and yeah. Uh, So, And avoid Uh, danger, maybe. I don't know.
0: Yeah. All right. Well, we are going to talk about finches and pop culture and a couple other things, but we're going to do that right after this. Whether you're fly fishing in a stream, getting those ankles wet, or deep in the ocean, casting nets, fish Fish nerds, nerds. fish nerds,
2: fish nerds, it's a podcast, just
0: for the halibut,
2: fried (laughs) in a basket or broiled in a pan. Eat it raw like you're in Siam, Fish Nerds,
0: Fish Nerds, Fish Nerds, it's a podcast.
1: It's Susie here from the Casual Birder podcast. I love watching birds, whether it's those that visit my garden or ones that I see when travelling. Bird watching is a great pastime. It can be done with others or alone. You don't need expensive equipment, your eyes or ears are enough. And best of all, it doesn't need any great commitment. The casual birder does as much or as little birding as suits them. Join me each week to hear about the birds I've seen, interviews with others and stories from listeners around the world. The Casual Birder Podcast, available wherever you listen to podcasts. Hey there everyone, Paul and Donna are a couple of nerds just like you and they don't get to see animals up close and in person very often. So let's talk about where we all see them most of the time. On movies, TV,
2: comic books, toys, and video games.
0: And to start our pop culture segment of the show, I'm going to play a song that might sound familiar to you. is the song from the Angry Birds video game.
1: Angry Birds!
0: Yes. Do you play Angry Birds?
1: I did. I played a lot of it when it first came out. I was on a plane coming back from somewhere, and I downloaded it onto my tablet when I got on the plane when it first came out, and I sat there and just laughed and laughed and (laughs) laughed for the entire plane ride. I'm sure I was irritating the heck out of everybody, (laughs) but I couldn't help it. It was so funny.
0: No, it's a super fun game.
1: It is. So silly. I
0: love it. So, Angry Birds is a video game franchise created by the Finnish company Rovio Entertainment. If you're not familiar with it, the series focuses on multicolored birds which try to save their eggs from their enemies, who are green-colored pigs. The player controls the angle and speed of a bird launched from a slingshot toward a structure with these green pigs in it. Up to three stars are awarded based on how many birds it takes to eliminate all of that level's pigs. Different birds have different abilities. Chuck is a canary who speeds up when launched, allowing him to hit the pig structure harder. Bomb is a greater Antillean bullfinch who explodes like a bomb. <laughs> the pigs also wear helmets and have other attributes that make it more challenging for the player to eliminate them. The game has been praised for its fun gameplay, comical style, and low, low price. They are typically free to play these games with the option to buy game features on all platforms. By 2015, this is four years ago, Angry Birds and all the spin off games in the series were downloaded more than 3 billion times. Wow. There are 18 Angry Birds games, four spin offs, and one compilation.
1: That's amazing.
0: Yep. The first game in the series was released in December of 2009 for iOS, so this game is already almost 10 years old.
1: Oh, man.
0: Did that just make you feel old?
1: Uh, it just makes me feel time passing. Like, what?
0: Really? At the time, the swine flu epidemic was in the news, so the the staff decided to use green pigs as the enemies of the birds. Ah, yes. The company then released ports of the game to other touchscreen operating systems and PCs. Yeah. In 2017, Rovio was valued at $2.25 billion or possibly more. That's because they rejected a buyout offer of $2.25 billion by Zynga, which indicates that Rovio might be worth even more than that. Wow. Several TV adaptations of the game have been released, mostly geared toward kids. A film adaptation, The Angry Birds Movie, was released in 2016, and a sequel to that movie is scheduled to be released in August of 2019. Of course, there are several Angry Birds toys, tabletop games, collectibles, comics, coloring books, all sorts of stuff.
1: Oh, yeah, they hit it big in the merchandising sure. arena, for sure. So, I remember buying Angry Birds toys for small people back when it first came out and got really popular. I was mm-hmm. like, what? They have Angry Birds things? I'll buy those for small people.
0: That's a dangerous game for me to play because I am never content with one or two stars.
1: Oh, I am really like that too. I will sit there and and hammer at the same level on any sort of little phone game or tablet game until I get the three stars and I refuse to move on (laughs) until I have it. And it drives me nuts, so that's why I don't play that much of that kind of game. That's for toilet time gaming. And when the when the ad pops up that you, you have to go now look at an ad to keep playing the game, that's when you know it's time to get up.
0: <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I don't play those games in the bathroom because I wind up with baby deer legs. <laughs> it's bad.
1: But the, but the ad comes and you have to get up then. That's yeah. the whole point. Because <laughs> <laughs> Angry Birds doesn't do ads, do they?
0: I, you know, I haven't played it in a while. I
1: haven't seen it in a while. I bet they don't. I don't remember them doing any ads. I, but their merchandising is big enough; they can probably get away with it. So. Yeah. Yeah. Ah, what a fun game. It is. Super! I'm gonna have to put it on my phone again.
0: <laughs> I know. Me too. Oh, I was oh just thinking
1: goodness. that. <laughs> mm, I don't put it on my phone. <laughs> That's awesome. Okay. Well, I'm gonna talk about this guy. Play the clip. the page. Tweetie's my name, but I don't know my age. I don't I have, have to, worry. to worry, and that is that. that, that I'm taking here from that old putty cat. <laughs> I thought I'd do a putty cat. <laughs> I did, I did, I did do a putty cat. I did do a putty cat. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, I love Tweety. Tweety Bird is a yellow canary in the Looney Tunes and Merry Melodies series. He appeared in 46 cartoons in the Looney Tunes Golden Age, and despite his uh, uh, feminine appearance with the big eyelashes, because eyelashes are usually what cartoonists use to indicate ladies, Tweety is a male. What? Yeah, Tweety is a boy. Yep. Yes, he first made his appearance in 1942 in A Tale of Two Kitties directed by Bob Clampett, but, but it, he was not paired with Sylvester the Cat until five years later. The 1947 cartoon Tweety Pie pitted them against each other for the first time and the cartoon won an Academy Award. Whoa! It was this, yes, it was the start of many short cartoons to come with Tweety. Wow. Yeah. Yes, he is known for his catchphrase, I taught, I taught a putty cat, uh, which is pussycat, but he has a He has a little bit of a speech impediment. (laughs) Did you know that his name originally was Orson? But this was changed. And then his name was already presented on his second cartoon, Birdie and the Beast. He had been portrayed originally as a simple wild bird whose species had not been specified and was shown to reside in an outdoor nest high in a tree. But after several portrayals, they decided, nah, this guy's a canary. (laughs) He's a yellow canary with a little bit of a big head and his temper was a, was really short at first and he was very often angry but as the character developed he became calmer. So he appears to be an innocent little bird sweet and extremely gentle he's but he often comes to handle Hector the Bulldog or hide behind granny to avoid the cat but in the end he always manages to humiliate Sylvester the cat until unless he ends up humiliating himself uh, trying to catch Tweety, <laughs>
2: <Right>. <laughs>
1: which in turn, you know, that just keeps going back and forth. So they've got that rivalry relationship. That's We don't have a quote from the cartoons, really, because most of the cartoons is Tweety saying, I taught I toy, a pretty cat, and then lots of music while they run around and chase each other and break things.
0: Am I remembering it properly that Granny would occasionally, like, beat the heck out of the cat for trying to mess with the bird?
1: Yeah, oh yeah. Okay, mm-hmm. all right. Yeah, Sylvester, deep down, Sylvester is jealous of Tweety because Granny gives him more attention. So you can see there's some real pathos in that That's relationship. That's
0: right. Yeah, I remember that now, yeah. <laughs>
1: <laughs> so I want to mention, uh, even though this is my parents' generation when this character was developed, when well, when they were born, right? Looney Tunes has been replayed on television for years and years and years until very recently. I don't think you can even find it on television anymore, but... I might be wrong about that, but when we were kids, Looney Tunes were on every afternoon, and we loved Tweety Bird so much that the Tweety song that we just played at the beginning of this segment was pretty much the baby shark of our childhood. (laughs) At least if you ask my parents, they're like, we don't ever want to hear that stupid Tweety Bird song again, ever. Still makes them crazy.
0: Tweety and bird, tweet 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 Tweety tweet, tweet, <laughs> bird, tweet tweet yeah. tweet tweet, tweet.
1: <laughs> My sister and I will still, oh. when we're home together, we'll be like, I ta I taught, put it, tad, i up on me, and my mom's like, shut up. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's <that's> great. <laughs> yes, I love Tweety. Still love Tweety.
0: Uh, so, hey, are you gonna eat that? What do you think?
1: No, They're way too small. Come on.
2: <laughs> it reminds so, me
1: of the Monty Python the, you know, the portrayal of the Romans and stuff. It's like, why would you eat this tiny little songbird? There's barely anything to them, you Yeah. Know?
0: <laughs> So it's not that it's because it's a finch, it's because that it's just there's just not enough meat on it. It would take too many of them to fill you up.
1: I cannot even imagine being a cook messing with those guys. They're like <laughs> tiny itty bitty little birds. Like no. dude. It's not like a shrimp or something. Shrimp are like hard enough to process. You know what I mean? Yeah. No, They're I'd... fiddly and fussy. Can you imagine like a bird that's the size of a shrimp trying to fuss with that? No. That's not
0: yeah, I think your average <laughs> your average chicken wing is going to be about probably three finches. Yes. Yeah. Nah, yeah, I'm, for the same reason, I'm not eating a finch either.
1: Yeah. Too small sl- to bother with. Too small. Yeah. Too small. Too small to mess with. <laughs> is your brain a repository of useless information? Well, let's help everyone win that next trivia night. Or just sound smarter than the rest of the room with the animal fact of the week. Okay, so what we're going to talk about is a little extra fact. We're going to talk about Darwin's finches. Now this is interesting because these guys are finches, but they're not true finches. Okay, right. They're a group of about 15 species of passerine birds. And a passerine bird is any bird of the order passeriformes, which includes more than half of all bird species. Sometimes they're known as perching birds. On his visit to the Galapagos Islands, Charles Darwin discovered several species of finches that varied from island to island, and this helped him develop his theory of natural selection. The Galapagos Islands are an archipelago of 13 major islands, and more than 100 smaller islands that straddle the equator off the Ecuadorian coast. They are home to a huge array of unique animal species. Giant tortoises, iguanas, fur seals, sea lions, sharks, rays, 26 species of native birds, and 14 of those make up the group known as Darwin's finches. These finches are considered to be the world's fastest evolving vertebrates because of their appearance and behavior quickly adapted in this closed and rapidly changing environment. So what he noticed was that their bird sizes and the food that they were eating and stuff was changing in the same species of bird over a very short period of time as the climate changed. And this is being tracked to this day there are people out there i'll put a note in the show notes of these scientists that have been out in the galapagos for 50 years tracking the finches and they're evolving right in front of their faces like it's amazing
0: that's really cool
1: yeah they are at this point they're under attack from an introduced parasitic fly so oh no yeah not great but So there's plenty of scientists down there trying to figure out all this stuff, and they are getting all sorts of data. It's looking pretty good. They're doing a really good job of trying to save them, as far as I can tell. And uh, But yeah, all, the, all of the stuff has been confirmed about how changes happen over time, like the beaks... They are important to what sort of food you can eat. If if you have a big, strong beak, you can open really hard shells and things like that on nuts and things. Mm-hmm. But you may not be very good at getting to tiny things, right? Right. And then vice versa. And But it turns out that all of that changes within just like one or two generations. Like, one or
0: two generations? <laughs> yeah,
1: because it's so fast. Wow. You know, they just, it's so fast. They had a, dr- a drought which is in the documentary that I was watching. And they went to the island and they were like, oh no, like 50 of the little birds just died. Like they were just didn't have the right kind of beak to get adequate calories during this drought. Mm -hmm. And then they found the ones with the beak that was shaped for that condition. They are the ones that went on and and thrived and made babies. And then they were back just as strong within the next couple of
0: years (laughs) oh my goodness
1: because they are so fast at changing their structure so i know a lot of people don't think that evolution is works that that's they're like well that's not what we're talking yeah that is that's it that's that's all of it (laughs) yep changes over time sometimes they're super fast with these little guys Sometimes changes are slower, sometimes they take millions of years, but there are small changes like this, but that are still on the macro level that can go really fast, so.
0: That is yeah. really fascinating.
1: Yeah, it's a pretty amazing. So, I'd love to hear a geneticist talk about, because they've got to have the most amazing set of DNA to kind of go, well, I don't know, we don't need those genes, apparently, we need <laughs> these ones, you know. Let's turn on these ones,
0: so love it that is awesome
1: neat little birds
0: to follow that the galapagos islands are home to hordes and hordes of tiny vampires
1: <gasps>
0: <laughs> 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 yes vampire finches are among the amazing birds in the in the uh, the, the family of darwins finches there Ooh. they are a subspecies of the sharp-beaked ground finch Sharp-beaked ground finches normally feed on seeds and insects, but those things can sometimes be in short supply. So the vampire finch evolved its distinguished behavior to supplement its diet. It drinks the blood from blue-footed boobies, and they're young.
1: Oh my goodness!
0: <laughs> it's believed that it started with the vampire finch picking the bugs and parasites from off of these birds, which is- that's something that's beneficial to both species, right? The finch gets a good meal, the boobies get their relief from their pests. Yeah. That behavior evolved into drinking their blood.
1: Oh, that's so weird.
0: So, these finches have a wickedly sharp beak, so sharp that they can get behind the booby, pick at the tail feathers, and puncture the skin, and then they'll drink the blood without even any apparent distress to the booby. Like, it doesn't even know it's there, yeah. And there'll be swarms of these vampire finches around these blue-footed boobies, and they don't even attempt to, like, fight them off. They just kind of stand there and take it.
1: Huh. Yeah. That's incredible.
0: (laughs) Vampire finches will also feed on dead birds. They will intentionally break the eggs and feed on the yolks inside the eggs. And they will also eat the vomit of other birds, because why not?
1: Nature's weird.
0: Nature is weird and gross sometimes. So, yeah vampire finches. They're oh my a thing. Oh gosh.
1: Well, how about that?
0: They're even black like little vampires. <laughs> They're really cool.
1: <laughs> oh, that is so cool.
0: We'll put a picture in the show notes of a of a uh, vampire finch just standing there having a drink off of this blue-footed booby. Mmm. <laughs> Well, that is our show for today. Thank you so much for listening. This show has been brought to you with technical support by Matthew Chomo, bed music by Kevin McLeod. Our logo was created by Imran Javed. Our vocal talent is Carrie McGinnis, Chris Brayton, Josh Hallmark, Chris Green, Jennifer Chomo, Stacy and Frosty, and Justine and Santiago.
1: It's now time for the Rugrat Corner. If you have a Rugrat who is eight years of age or younger, that wants to be on our podcast, send us a message on Facebook or email us at varmanspodcast at gmail.com for details. We make it very easy for you and your Rugrat to hear their voice on our podcast. Who do we have this week?
0: This week our Rugrat is Isla. Isla has something to say about ventures. Okay,
2: so who are you and how old are you? My name's, my name's Isla and I'm seven years old and I live in Philadelphia. Are you almost eight though? Yeah, I am. So, um, talk to me about finches. What kind of finches do you see? House finches. Yeah. What's your favorite thing about house finches? It's that the males have very bright red, like in the mouth area and a little bit on the breast. Yeah. What do the females look like? They're kind of dull. <laughs> <laughs> do you think that's fair? Sure, <laughs> <laughs> sort because of, it's better for the nests. I don't think that's fair, though. I think. Why does one get to look really pretty and the other one not? Actually, I disagree. Okay. It's <laughs> yeah,
1: me too. Yeah. so true.
2: Anything else about finches that you want to talk about? Do they get like weird eye yeah. diseases? <laughs> I have to make. You oh no! That. I have to ask. I don't think it's quite fair because not uh, other birds carry the gems but they don't actually get the effect. That's true. Finches get it, and other birds carry it. That's not, that's not fair at all. No,
1: not, not good for the finches. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Aw, poor finches. Oh. All right, we love finches, don't we? Bye! 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 <laughs> Thanks, Isla.
1: No, it's totally fair that the mamas don't look as bright as the, the boys, because if you're in the wild, you're going to have to take care of babies, and you don't want predators to see you. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I think Isla just wants everybody to be good-looking. Is that what I got from that? No? I don't know.
1: Everybody's good looking in their own way. Yes, so good (laughs) looking.
0: Thanks, everybody, again for listening, and until next time.
1: Be nice to animals. Don't smuggle finches in hair rollers. No, it's just not cool.
0: Not cool, cool, dude. You've been listening to a Blazing Caribou Studios production. Support and subscribe to our Patreon at patreon.com slash blazingcariboustudios.